Welcome to the audio news from Archaeologica. I'm Laura Pettigrew, and these are the headlines in archaeological and historical news for the week of July 18th through the 24th, 2021. Our first story this week brings us to Saudi Arabia, where the Saudi Commission for Tourism and National Heritage has announced the discovery of a 2,550-year-old inscription in the name of Nabonidus, the last king of Babylon. Nabonidus ruled from 555 to 539 BC, at a time when the Babylonian Empire stretched from the Persian Gulf to the Mediterranean Sea. As reported by Live Science, the inscription was found on a basalt stone in the city of Al-Hayit, in the Hail region of northern Saudi Arabia. During ancient times, the region was known as Fadak, and it contains many known archaeological sites, including water installations, fortresses, and rock art. Records show Nabonidus chose to live in the city of Tema, now a part of Saudi Arabia, for an extended period of time beginning around 543 BC. The newly found inscription depicts an image of King Nabonidus alongside images of a snake, a flower, and a crescent moon. Below the engraving are approximately 26 lines of cuneiform text, which are still being deciphered. In its statement, the commission noted this is the longest cuneiform inscription ever found in Saudi Arabia. Researchers are hopeful that the complete translation of this inscription will offer new information about the king's life leading up to the fall of the Babylonian Empire. At the end of Nabonidus' reign, the Babylonian Empire came under attack by the Persian Empire, which was led by King Cyrus the Great. Babylon itself was captured by the Persians in 539 BC, and the Babylonian Empire collapsed soon afterwards. For now, the fate of Nabonidus after the collapse remains a mystery. Our second story of the week brings us to Denmark, where researchers examining food remnants from the gut of a 2,400-year-old body found in a bog now believe they may have found evidence of human sacrifice. The research is described in detail in a paper recently published by the journal Antiquity. As reported by NBCNews.com, researchers at Denmark's Silkeborg Museum were studying the body of Tolundman, which was first discovered in a Danish bog over 70 years ago. The low oxygen levels, chilly temperatures, and acidic waters found in bog environments create prime conditions for preserving archaeological remains. These properties were also known by Iron Age peoples, and there is substantial evidence that many bodies and artifacts were placed in these environments deliberately. In fact, Tolundman was so well preserved at the time the body was discovered that authorities believed it to be the victim of a relatively recent murder, rather than the corpse of a person dating back to the Iron Age. The remarkable level of preservation in his case has allowed for significant study of the circumstances of the man's death. It took archaeologists to determine that the body had been hanged using plated animal hide prior to being carefully placed in its final resting position. Analyses of gut contents can offer insights into the preparation and composition of meals and on general hygiene and health. Lead researcher Nina Nielsen noted that original examinations from the 1950s were focused only on the best preserved grains and seeds found within the intestinal tract. New analyses of plant macrofossils, pollen, non-pollen palynomorphs, steroid markers, and proteins found in his gut looked at the full content of materials contained within the intestines. 
pale persicaria seeds, considered a weed by Iron Age communities in the region, were present in the samples. This detail suggests that some threshing waste was fed to Tollentman shortly before his death. This might be an indicator of a society suffering from significant food shortages, or perhaps as part of a ritual meal prior to his sacrificial offering. The abundance of seeds from wild plants found in this and other bog bodies suggests that these seeds were only used on special occasions such as ritual celebrations or sacrifice. Our next story takes us to Italy, where the remnants of a Roman road discovered under a Venice lagoon suggest that much of the area was once dry land prior to rising sea levels. As reported by LiveScience.com, a study published by researchers from the Institute of Marine Science announced the discovery of the road's remnants in the Triporti Channel along the northern part of Venice's outer lagoon. Their findings were recently published by the Journal of Scientific Reports. The study gives new insight to the history of human habitation in the area. The city of Venice has no known records in Roman-era records and is believed to have been founded during the medieval period, when much of the lagoon was accessible by land. Because this road dates back centuries prior to the city's founding, it is believed that a small network of settlements or small towns existed during the Roman period. This is further supported by the presence of roof tiles, bricks, and pottery. The road was well constructed, with nine-foot structures comprising a foundation and containing smooth stones very similar to Roman basoli stones, which are commonly used to pave Roman roads. The team also found a group of submerged structures hidden around 30 feet beneath the road. Covering roughly the area of a basketball court, these could be the remains of an ancient dock. Researchers believe the road linked the potential dock and settlements in this area to other docks and that additional roads connected towns in what is now the southern part of the lagoon to Altinum, a Roman trading center in the north. For now, the age of the discovered road remains under further investigation. The team hopes to further explore the ruins in their efforts to expand upon knowledge of the area's history and cultural heritage. Our final story this week brings us to North America, where a team of anthropologists, geographers, and earth scientists from Canada, the United States, and France are teaming up to explore what archaeology can tell us about past climate changes and humans' relationship with our environment. As reported by EurekaAlert.org, University of Montreal anthropologist and lead author Ariane Burke makes a case for a new discipline called the Archaeology of Climate Change. The team recently published their work in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. The proposed discipline takes elements from archaeology, geography, and earth science to conduct a cross-disciplinary examination of any clues from the paleoclimate record regarding human resilience in the wake of climate changes and natural disasters. The researchers hope to identify a range of challenges faced by people in the past, approaches they took to facing adversity, and how successful they were in adapting to change. One instance of major climate change in ancient human history includes the rapid warming of the Earth, which took place between 14,700 and 12,700 years ago. By exploring archaeology of climate change, Burke and the team hope to uncover clues about how different human communities faced this period of drastic change. 
The researchers believe that there are a number of lessons modern humans might take from our ancient counterparts. This might include employing more traditional farming practices, thus transforming industrial farming practices and reshaping resource uses. For example, many of the farming practices used by traditional and indigenous farmers preserve both water and crop diversity in the global food chain by taking advantage of seasonal and local varieties. Archaeological evidence suggests that returning to indigenous practices of multi-cropping agriculture and locally scaling farming methods could enhance food security in the future. Another example includes looking to the knowledge systems of the indigenous peoples of the Canadian Arctic, whose deep understanding of the local environment informed broader planning for change in habitat and food sources. While the archaeology of climate change is still a burgeoning field, there is much to learn from its interdisciplinary approach and findings to secure humanity's continued survival. That wraps up the news for this week. For more stories and daily news updates, visit Archaeologica on the World Wide Web at archaeologica.org, where all the news is history. I'm Laura Pettigrew, and I'll see you next week. This has been the audio news from Archaeologica, presented by the Archaeology Channel. Be sure to check back with us next week for our next edition. You can spread the word about the audio news by clicking on the Share This link on our audio news webpage, or just by telling your friends. Thanks very much for stopping by. Mm-hmm.